Hello and welcome back to the number one result on Google for Autonomous Cars podcasts. This is Autonomous Cars with Mark Hogue, the only weekly podcast on autonomous cars in the world. Well, thanks so much for coming back to join me for this, the inaugural episode of season three and the 75th episode of this show. Hope you had a wonderful holiday break and kicked off 2019 in good style. By the way, have you thought about it. We're just one year away from being back in the 20s again. I mean, how's that for a weird thought? Right. Well, anyway, obviously lots to cover today, because if you remember last week, I had the incredibly good fortune to be invited out to CES 2019 in Las Vegas on behalf of the good folks over at Here Technologies. They invited me out to moderate several days worth of talks, conduct a few interviews. So I'm going to walk you through sort of an overview of my time at CES generally share with you a few exclusive interviews, and of course, dive into all the exciting things going on with Here Technologies. So without further ado, let's dive in and get started. Season three of Autonomous Cars with Mark Hogue begins now. I really feel like I need a proper musical flourish at this point. That sounded remarkably bare. Uh, In any event, uh, just a few quick things to share with you. It has been a while, after all, since we last talked. Um, Let's see. Several of you have expressed genuine interest in me producing a sort of a talking head video of this podcast, literally a video of me recording the podcast. Um, Look, I'm certainly happy to entertain the idea and give it a shot, but I would like to get some proper lighting equipment first. We might as well make sure the video is at least reasonably pleasant to watch. And while I'm at it, I might get a mic too. Believe it or not, I've just been using my iPhone all this time. A huge shout out, by the way, to my dear friend and former UCLA sweetmate, Ben Jones. He's data remixed on Twitter and founder of dataliteracy.com. He recommended to me a great lighting kit that I can get over on Amazon. So I will be sure to grab that very, very soon and give these videos a shot. What else? Um, Instagram. Yes. Autonomous cars with Mark Hogue is finally on IG. Uh, You can find me of course at wait for it. Autonomous Hogue because of course. So please be sure to follow me. Um, So far, I've just got a bunch of photos up there from my time last week in Las Vegas at CES, so do be sure to check them out. Uh, What else? For those of you who actually care about this sort of thing, I've also got a dedicated company page on LinkedIn. You can find it just by searching for Autonomous Cars with Mark Hogue. I thought there was something else I had to share with you, but I guess that's all for now, or it just wasn't very important and I forgot. Uh, But anyway, let's actually dive in and get started now. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, so let me walk you through a bit of my experience at CES to kick things off here. But I should forewarn you, if you're expecting a thorough rundown of all the things going on at CES, uh, you might be a bit disappointed for a couple reasons. First, the number one priority I had was, of course, the Here Technologies team, which basically swallowed up all of Tuesday and the first half of Wednesday. On Thursday, uh, a cold that I had when I arrived in Vegas had finally... Uh, won its battle against me, and I was basically down for the count from Wednesday night on. So Thursday, I was sadly and hugely frustratingly nowhere to be found. 
Um, so really, that left me just Monday to kind of walk around aimlessly throughout the Las Vegas Convention Center, which was sort of a uh, the last day of setup. It really looked like a construction site everywhere. It's pretty astonishing that, well, based on how things looked Monday afternoon, it's amazing everything was up and running perfectly uh, by Tuesday. So anyway, obviously, I want to make sure to focus on what I did see, which is uh, related, of course, to autonomous cars and all related technology. So in no particular order, then let's see. Uh, no, no, that's not true. Uh, I will begin with a particular item just to get it off the list because I know that everyone's talking about it and you've certainly probably heard of it. So it's worth mentioning. Yeah. The life-size quadcopter people carrying drone thing by Bell. Yes. Bell as in formerly Bell helicopters. Yeah. This thing looked like something out of Blade Runner. Uh, or alternatively, it looked like the sort of thing that Darth Vader would fly uh, if he were here on Earth. It was absolutely incredible. I wish I'd had a chance to actually go step inside of it. Sadly, I didn't. Uh, I did post a photo of it over on my Instagram account, though, uh, so be sure to check it out. But yeah, what a thing. Uh, I do believe it's actually meant to be autonomous, so strictly speaking, it's not too much of a stretch to even mention this. But uh, right. Anyway, besides that, um, look, CES is really a car show now, or at least... Uh, strictly speaking, it's really an autonomous car show, at least the entire <clears throat> sort of central and northern uh, half of the convention center. The lower half tends to be more sort of, shall we say, uh, what pedestrian-type technologies, uh, you know, uh, cell phones, uh, televisions, that sort of thing. But really, the central hall and all the way up to the north uh, and certainly the, the, the parking lot area where here technologies themselves had their own booth. I say booth, it was really... Um, an entire building they had just constructed over the last couple of weeks or months, I guess, along with many other companies uh, adjacent to them, by the way, just to, to sort of help triangulate where they were located. If you've seen photos, uh, you've surely seen by now the Google building. Uh, well, here was located immediately adjacent to Google. Anyway, um, let's see here. So, um, well, you know, so the first thing that I saw when I got there, of course, was, let's see, there was a Ford booth. I saw Aptiv immediately across the street again. Sadly, I didn't even get a chance to ride with them. Really, really frustrating for me, of course. Um, <clears throat> BMW had a thing set up outside showcasing their X7, doing some ridiculously huge sort of hill climb and descent thing. But anyway, upon entering the main convention hall, yeah, Ford again had a really nice booth set up. Um, uh, and then as you walk kind of further to the north, uh, this then is where you ended up into a cavernous part of the arena where pretty much all the LiDAR companies were to be found. Um, it was pretty astonishing. Um, obviously, all the familiar names were there. Uh, Mobileye, for example, um, Innoviz, uh, and then a bunch of new names uh, I had never even heard of before. For example, Xenomatics, uh, Robosense. Uh, and by the way, I'm picking those names out in particular, because, you guessed it, in the next segment of this episode, exclusive interviews with members of the team, beginning with, above all, Innoviz. Yeah, I was able to get a seven or eight minute interview with the CEO himself of Innoviz. If you remember from a few episodes back, uh, shortly before closing out season two, uh, we discussed Innoviz on the show, and um, Innoviz is the company with which BMW partnered up. So they're developing a solid-state LiDAR. It's said to be the longest-range and highest-resolution solid-state LiDAR currently available in the world. And so, yeah, they've partnered up with BMW, and the first BMW cars should be rolling out with them in 2021. That's now just two years away. So 
really, really awesome to finally uh, meet the CEO behind, CEO behind all this and um, all the other companies as well. And uh, as I say, in the next segment, uh, it's basically just going to be me introducing uh, the, the various folks with whom I spoke. And then, of course, I'll just let the interview uh, recording run so you can hear those through to their entirety. Um, just to set expectations, uh, again, just due to my extremely limited time, there's really, I think, only five or six interviews, but uh, hopefully you'll find them really interesting uh, to listen to. All right, well, first up, as promised, is Innoviz Technologies. I've got for you the CEO himself, Omer Kalaf. Um, Innoviz, of course, based out of Israel. Now, as I mentioned earlier, partnered up with BMW to roll out the first LiDAR, solid-state LiDAR-equipped BMWs in 2021. So I give it to you now, Omer Kalaf. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Oh, hi. <laughs> okay, so uh, Omer Kelaf, I'm the CEO and founder of uh, Innoviz. Uh, Innoviz was founded in uh, 2016. And, uh, you know, like Innoviz, as you can see, there are like, many LiDAR companies because actually two years ago, uh, LiDARs uh, were expensive and many companies realized that, you know, with this cost, you could actually do much, much better. But we were actually in a different, little bit different strategy, you know. Most of our competitors today they are trying to, you know, to do something better than what existed two years ago. You know, even, you know, the, the company that was selling most lighters like two years ago is Velodyne also, yeah. you know, improved significantly their products. But I think what we are do is doing a little different is that, you know, we're not just shooting for getting to higher performance. Like the cost is still, like those spinners, mechanical lighters are still very expensive. You know, we really believe that in order to get to low to, to mass production, you need to get to low, low cost, low size, low power, and like improving the performance. So, in, in order to do that, we, we realize that it has to be solid state, and we it has to be nine or five nanometer. I don't know if you're like familiar. I, with I actually mentioned this in the episode. Yeah. yeah the issue it, being that at a certain wavelength, you can increase the power without. Exactly. People. So. That, that's an important thing. <laughs> the, the thing is that no, in fact, what you're touching is is like extremely important because. Look, 905 nanometer is, uh, it allows you to go to lower cost because then you can use silicon. Like, silicon is, means that, you know, the whole semiconductor is based on using silicon. Okay, so you can use, like, very low cost lasers, very low cost processes, and you can scale very quickly. The problem with 905, that's the motivation of 905, right? Now, the, the, the problem with 905 is that the human eye is also more sensitive to 905. Okay? So you're, you're, you're actually capped by the amount of light you're allowed to emit without violating the eye safety. So many of our competitors, you know, you know they've reached a, a really low ceiling on what's the performance they can get with 905. So many companies went to 1550 nanometer. Why 1550 is because at that wavelength you can you can push the laser 10 times, 50 times more stronger, and you get more photons on the scene. So that's kind of like an easy way to get to higher performance, but then you're stuck with something very expensive. Why? Because 1550 lasers are very expensive. 
and the detectors are more expensive, more sensitive to temperature, and you know when when you when you pump the laser 100 times more, you, you also consume 100 times more power. Sure. When and you know power goes to heat, heat goes to size, and then you end up with like big beasts, beasts that, that are really like consuming a lot of power and like and never it kind of offsets the benefit of having a small exactly. So it's like you, you 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 kind of in a deadlock yeah. of like either going with a low cost, yeah. low power, low size, but low performance or like nice performance. Very big, very expensive. Yeah. Not, not, not cannot scale to automotive. Now, what we did is like we, like our first strategy decision, strategic decision was that we believe like 1550 is not the way to go because of size, cost. We need to we need to solve the nine of five problem because it has to be you know cheap enough to go to mass production. So what we did is like we we looked at the reasons behind why nano five is limiting our performance and if you if you look and like start to look for off the shelf components detectors mems lasers and and you try to combine them in a certain way to to meet performance you you you're very limited you're very limited also from reliability point of view and etc and we we started to look at this from a system perspective how we can make nano five better in performance and we realized that by designing our own <coughs> our own MEMS and designing our own detector we can unlock the performance limitation yep. and if you manage to do that and you can get to performance that is even better than 1550 but with a 905 so that's a win that's a win yeah so we, that we, explains the deal with BMW I guess exactly yeah. and I think that that explains a lot of our relationship with tier ones because you know they understand our strategy they understand sure. that if we are able to to get to high performance with 905, you're, you 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 got it right. Yeah, you know? totally. So this is what led us to design our own chipset of mm -hmm. the whole chipset, and Innovis One is based on 905, low cost, you know, but really high performance. And I think this is where we are very different than others that are like there are many like spinners out there that really nice, like really like looking good. Still, like they're still expensive in the thousands of dollar or even more, but not relevant for automotive grade. That's a different market. <coughs> Companies like BMW and, and many other OEMs that want to go to volume of hundreds of thousands and millions, they can't use those right. mechanical lidars. Exactly. So I think like Innovis today is the, the only solid state LiDAR 905 that you know <coughs> can meet the size, performance and cost and that's that's our value proposition yeah. and this is where we focus. We we, we don't really care much about like selling lidars today to some like like uh, research institute. <coughs> no, Sorry, excuse me. No, no problem. <coughs> uh, had a bad trip. The voice is gone. That's all. Otherwise, yeah, yeah, I understand. Like, I'm talking all the <coughs> Yeah. Anyway, like, you no. Know, while while many of our you know competitors today are really selling really good lidars, you know, mechanical lidars, you know. We're targeting something else. We're looking at the OEM business, which you know, the volumes there are beyond anything anyone can offer. Yeah, totally. But it requires a different mindset. You know, it's like automotive grade, low cost, <coughs> low size, low power. This is where we, I think, our biggest value. Obviously, once Innovis One will be ready, and you know, Robotexes will <coughs> obviously will prefer to, to pay less. Yeah, yeah and for automotive grade and high performance so we're not really losing this business because yeah. the sales cycle is even different like OEMs 
the sales cycle is like three years, four years, because the decision that BMW made a year ago is for a, pro, a car that is going to be on the road in 2021. Yeah. That's very much aligned with you know the timeline of the pro, of the company. Sure. You know, we're going to have you know with one in mass production early 2020. That's perfect. You know, awesome. other other OEMs shooting for 2021, 2022. That's perfect. You know, Robotexes, Innovis One will be ready in a year. They will replace it. The, the sales cycle is like very short. Yeah. I don't need to focus on that now. Yeah. I think this is where we are a bit different. All right, next up, we've got the CEO of LiDAR company Zenomatics, Philippe Guéon. Hi, Mark. I'm uh, Philippe Guéon, uh, CEO of Xenomatics. Xenomatics uh, is a company developing solid-state uh, LiDAR and its true solid-states. So uh, many LiDAR companies here that may be a little bit confusing to uh, help you out with that. Um, I can tell you that uh, we have not started from looking at what uh, other companies did before and thinking about how can we uh, miniaturize that. No, we started from the automotive requirements. And um, by doing so, we came up with a completely different approach. Um, whereas most people try to move laser beams around, uh, we have developed a multi-beam uh, LiDAR that is sending out many uh, uh, laser beams in a way that we can uh, build up very high resolution uh, point clouds mm-hmm. even for long uh, measurement ranges. Mm-hmm. That's what you can see on, uh, on the videos on our yep. YouTube uh, channels and on the screens behind me. And I see on the image here, it looks like there's you're able to see potholes in the road as well? Yes, indeed. That's actually how we started our business. Our first product ah, was a, a short-range uh, LiDAR focused on digitizing the road uh, uh, in front of a vehicle. And we did this mainly for uh, suspension control. In this way, we worked with uh, suspension manufacturers on developing proactive uh, suspension. So an active suspension combined with a preview system. Sure, sure. Improving uh, ride comfort, of course. How does this compare or contrast to, I know Mercedes rolled out in an S-Class, I believe, a laser which reads the road as well, to prepare the suspension is this higher fidelity it's just going to give you better response to this to the potholes that solution was not based on the laser it was based on the stereo camera meaning that, that is too, oh. very dependent on uh, ambient lines of course yeah? also measurement accuracy of a camera is not as good as the of accuracy course. of uh, the short range line system where we are offering Excuse me. yeah very good well thanks very much appreciate it you're most welcome All right, next up is Solid State LiDAR company RoboSense with their RS LiDAR M1. Uh, Just reading a few specs for you off a handout they gave to me. It's got a 200-meter range, uh, a field of view of 120 degrees by 20 degrees, and a resolution of 0.1 degrees by 0.25 degrees. So speaking with us now is the uh, vice president of RoboSense, Dr. Lele Shinohara. Yeah. So then, let's say it's, uh, we are working on the MEMS solid state uh, lidar. So the, this is we do say this is in the near future is uh, the most uh, the close to the manu- the mass production manufactured uh, technology. So the, based on this, we develop this 120 degrees uh, the horizontal of FOVs field of views is the lidar, and we we are trying to achieve a, a range of the 200 meters the uh, distance for the to detect the pedestrians, the vehicles, the cars as for the autonomous driving. So let's in the near the future in the in these years uh, in let's in, let's talk about for the 2020, 21, 23, uh, two this time um, so then the level three the autonomous driving uh, is quite uh, let's say it's most of the the customers the OEMs they look for this time, the mass production starts. So the, uh, we 
we are focused on this time and uh, uh, first to indus- uh, industrialize our the, this ladder to uh, let's say to catch up uh, and to deliver the product to our the customers. Very good. Yeah. Thank you very much. Hey, by the way, if you want to check out any of the photos or videos from CES last week, including uh, the talks that I helped to moderate for Hue Technologies and uh, some of the interviews I conducted, well, they're posted all over the place. You can find them on Twitter at Autonomous Hogue, Facebook.com slash Autonomous Hogue, the new Instagram Autonomous Hogue page, and of course, uh, the new company page on LinkedIn for Autonomous Cars with Mark Hogue. So please be sure to follow them, like them, whatever them. Thanks very much. So next up, we've got a company called ThorDrive. They are basically an autonomous delivery vehicle company. They're based out of Silicon Valley. They are currently in a beta test of sorts with a hardware cup, with Ace Hardware, actually, down in Mountain View, I believe. Um, If they sound vaguely familiar, that's because you've probably heard of another company called Udelve, uh, based in, I believe, Oklahoma City. Um, that have partnered up with Walmart. Uh, but suffice to say, both companies are going at things rather differently. And in this case, we've got the COO of Thor Drive to talk with you. His name is Farshid Arman. Thor Drive, uh, hardware delivery, Ace. Hardware delivery, Ace. We, we deliver to the people who are in the middle of a project and they, don't, they cannot get up and go out of town, uh, get out of their homes to go get the stuff. And then here, this video we're showing uh, downtown Seoul, Korea. And we just announced a partnership with Emart, which is like the largest grocery store chain in Korea. And for them, we're going to deliver groceries to several of their customers. Mm-hmm. And in, uh, in Korea, much more dense than suburbs of Silicon Valley, and which is where we started. And we can deal with all kinds of congested environments with many, many um, cars. And so this, this is showing a bunch of cars and uh, pedestrians and left turns and U-turns and uh, we've done all of it here. This is showing um, it was in a tunnel without GPS. And previously I showed you the uh, inside the parking garage of Ikea. That, that kind of... That, that was super cool. Yeah. The highlights, the, like, the highlights how we can uh, do, go without GPS. And uh, this is automatic lane changing. And here we're showing the sensor fusion of LiDAR and cameras and uh, the uh, classification of what sure. is a car, what is a pedestrian. So, so what's the end game? We're saying hardware delivery, um, grocery delivery. Uh, obviously, I think delivery in the broad sense is not a unique thing. So what's the end game? What's the unique spin and where is this all headed? What's, what's the end game? So the, uh, you guys have done the whole software stack, just to be clear, right? Yeah, so, yeah, so software stack, that's all we do. And we want to license it into the cars. That's what I was getting at, actually. Uh, yeah. yeah, we want to license it into the cars. So ultimately, even though right now, we're doing our own mapping and we're doing our own vehicle retrofits. Uh, we are going to just uh, license the software to the OEMs. And that can be passenger cars, it can be commercial vehicles, it can be any anything out there. So theoretically, if there was some, say, online mega store who had one of their own delivery trucks, but they didn't have the software to do it, theoretically, that would be a good fit. Right. So if, they, if a store that doesn't yeah. has to buy a car, I mean, right. we could give them the car. It's yeah, easy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we just buy it, retrofit it, and give them the car. If it's a big OEM that wants to get into delivery business, right. then we sell them, just give them the life, just give sure. them the software. Yeah. Do you see a use case where airlines say, either the cargo branch of an airline or say, uh, specifically a cargo airline, say FedEx or UPS, do you see a use case where they start moving into this as well? In which case they could be a potential customer? Um, eventually they have to get into it anyway, yeah. but right now because of regulations, we need to have a safety driver. So sure. the safety driver yeah, kind of kills the whole business case right now. So where, where, they can, where they can do work 
is uh, in the yard distribution centers where it's off-roads and DMV regulations are not there, then we can actually uh, immediately show our use case Makes and sense. our, uh, you know, positive ROI. Awesome. Thanks, Farshid. All right, so last but not least, I want to share with you an interesting use case for LiDAR generally. It's a company called SixWatch. They build themselves as LiDAR-assisted virtual surveillance partners. So essentially, uh, they, they're basically outfitting police cars with LiDAR and cameras. The idea is that the car should be able to actively monitor and be around of the surrounding area while the police officer has run off to, for example, uh, investigate a building or run after another suspect so that uh, it can alert the police officer or officers uh, if there are additional threats in the vicinity of the car itself. So I think it's a pretty awesome use case, honestly. Anyway, uh, up next then, an interview with the uh, president of Six Watch, Eric Gehagen. Hey, Mark, Eric Gehagen here with the president of Six Watch. We're the featured product to share in our partner Quantity's booth. 9000 at CES 2019 and the technology we have is uh, built uh, with quantity sensors so we're using two of their M8 mechanical LiDAR sensors and four cameras with custom video analytics and then proprietary software that takes all that data dual technology and provides real-time 360 threat detection and recording for public safety vehicles so what you see inside the screen and what we're projecting outside of the monitors is what the police officer would see. So on the right, you have the four cameras producing uh, tagged, identificated, uh, sorry, tagged, identified anomalies. At this time, we're identifying people and vehicles. And then on the left, you see the LiDAR and user interface, which is also tagging the same moving objects, but providing distance and velocity Mm -hmm. and direction. So we can predict where that threat's coming from and identify it in real time. And that's the first alert that we generate, which is a color-coded directional cone so the officer knows where to look. The second is if you walk towards the front of the car, you could probably pick it up on your phone. Is you get a position based on the clock all in real time. So the idea is the officer be he they will be able to focus their eyes in the in the direction of where the anomaly is. So we're trying to buy back reaction time. Yeah. And then the roadmap for this product is even if the officer is out of the vehicle, the vehicle is still working. So if they go into a building to investigate a crime, suspect runs out, the vehicle picks them up. On that tablet right there, we're actually pushing all that yeah. data real time with our partner Blue Force Command. And eventually, the car just transforms into a giant robot and grabs the guy. <laughs> yeah, transforms. I mean, no, look this thing. This looks like a Decepticon. Now. I know, right? Well, <laughs> if you saw the truck at Fury, and you oh, think yeah. that was a transformer too. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's obviously a cool looking car, but uh, yeah, the technology. We're really excited about it. We built it as a very robust system, plug and play with a lot of add-on technologies. A lot of a lot of big companies uh, uh, are talking to us about working with us and. And that's kind of how we built it, but to be to partner up and add more value to it than try to you know, reinvent the wheel, if you will. No, it's an obviously awesome use case, so it's nice to see things going to improving safety all around, obviously. Yeah, thanks very much. Thank you for your time. All right, so that's all I've got for sound bites to share with you, I'm afraid, but it's because, as I mentioned, so much of my time was spent with the Here Technologies team on Tuesday and Wednesday. 
Um, again, really fascinating videos. Uh, you can catch the talks that I helped to moderate. There's two interviews I conducted as well. Strongly encourage you to check them out. Um, you can find them, of course, on all the various social media sites for both here and also for this podcast. Uh, so do check them out. And without further ado, let's dive in and wrap this up with the third and final segment for this inaugural and rather lengthy episode of season three. I'm going to now walk you inside of what here technologies are all about and share with you what they're up to because it's pretty cool stuff. Check it out. All right, so to kick off this third and final segment then, let me give you really a high-level understanding, first of all, a kind of a recap of what HERE is all about. I say recap because if you remember, quite a few episodes back, I was actually invited to the HERE Technologies garage offices in Berkeley, California. So a bit of this will be some recap, and then I'm going to wrap up with some new information that I learned while with the HERE team uh, at CES in Vegas. So... So first of all, fundamentally, what is here trying to do? Um, So they're trying to create, and they are indeed creating, they have been creating, uh, what they call real-time self-healing HD maps. It it sounds like a bit of uh, marketing puffery, but when you realize how it works, it's a very real thing. So let's break down that terminology, right? So real-time self-healing HD maps. All right. Well, real time is what it sounds like. It's it's maps, navigational maps that dynamically update in real time. And I'll explain how in uh, in due time here. Um, let's see. So real time uh, self healing. So what does self healing mean? Uh, well, it means that as more and more data is aggregated, and I'll explain what that means in a moment. Uh, the maps are then well updated. They're HD in the sense that they are extremely detailed, meaning like down to the quality of the road surface. I'll explain more about that as well. And they are, uh, well, they are maps, <laughs> obviously. So real-time self-healing HD maps. So so what are they building to do this? Uh, you know, um, how is this all working? Well, here have developed uh, what they call an open neutral platform. They are fundamentally a platform company. The idea is that they're working with various partner companies to collect, well, all the data from all the things. Uh, so, for example, just to give you a really basic use case, um, obviously, as you're probably aware, cars have all sorts of sensors, even for such things as, well, uh, suspension, right? So if a car is going over a road, this, the the suspension sensors uh, are accumulating data. This data that can be shared in the in the open network uh, platform of here, and can then be used to submit such information as the road quality, the you know the condition of the actual physical road surface. Um, this data can then be brokered back to cities, say, so that cities then can learn exactly what kind of you know what part of the road needs to be repaired or replaced entirely, as it were. But this this is just like a small fragment of really where things are headed, right? So you can actually pull data from so much more besides. So obviously, with respect to the vehicle itself, you can get windshield wiper data to you know to understand where there's a lot of water. Um, but look, let's step away from the car itself, right? You could theoretically pull. I don't know. One example I actually asked the here team: Could you theoretically pull data from, say, bridges? So a lot of bridges have sensors built in to register things like, well, earthquakes or temperature fluctuations, stress in the metal, and so on. You know, you could theoretically pull that kind of data as well. The important thing and the big takeaway concept, the big picture of all this, is pulling together, as I say, all the datas from all the things around aggregating it, of course, anonymizing it, and then using this data for the, you know, to, to improve and to share with all the other vehicles around. 
because this will be going through the the platform that here has built. Um, so that's kind of a high level understanding, and it's sort of a recap, admittedly, of what we discussed quite a few episodes back. So what's what's new? You know, what what more can we add to all this? Well. Let's look at some use cases, right? So we, we talked about dynamic maps. All right, so so one example is obviously, uh, suppose that, uh, well, okay, today you navigate from A to B, and all is well in the world, except when it isn't. Suppose there's a storm, suppose a power line gets knocked over, suppose there's a tree that, uh, in the road, suppose a new traffic sign has been, has been put up to direct traffic a bit differently. Suppose there is now, um, I don't know, a stop sign where once there, there wasn't, for instance. Um, well, because here is pulling together sensor data and indeed camera data uh, from all the vehicles that are connected to its network, to its platform, well, now this new information can be dynamically shared and updated in real time to all the other cars that are connected. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so you're probably wondering, how is this any different to something like Waze, right? Um, you know, Waze certainly essentially crowdsources data in the form of user-submitted information, which is then propagated to all the other Waze users. Uh, it's very different in degree. When I say degree, I mean with respect to the, the real-time nature of it, right? So, so with Waze, you're first of all dependent upon a human operator to submit information, whether it's a speed trap, whether it's roadkill, whether it's a pothole in the road or an accident or some other some other issue in the road, right? And this has to be, first of all, verified by other Waze drivers, and then it has to little by little propagate throughout all the other users. And there's going to be a very real-time delay. I mean, how many times have you seen, uh, say, an update on Waze, uh, maybe some sort of uh, some, something blocking the road, or maybe there's uh, a speed trap, and by the time you get there, it's, of course, gone. Um, so so this, is, this is the problem inherent with any sort of user-submitted information. But now, suppose that... This crowdsource data is occurring immediately, in real time, the moment that a car's various sensors, be it radar, LIDAR, camera vision, or otherwise, so the moment a car sees this, it then instantly shares it with all the other connected cars, so they're all immediately aware of it the instant that it occurs, right? So this is a really, really big deal. And if this sounds at all familiar, it's because, well, it should. This is precisely the concept of what we've discussed quite a bit on the show, and you've surely heard or read about elsewhere besides. This is essentially V to V, V to I, V to X, that is vehicle to vehicle, vehicle to infrastructure, vehicle to, well, whatever, all the things. Um, this is what we've been talking about for quite some time. It's what, you know, really has been promised for quite some time. And it's really what um, the whole notion of a connected car is all about. Right? It's not about it's not about existing in isolation. It's not about kind of seeing the world around and navigating yourself with autopilot, which is all good and well and indeed necessary. But it's about taking it to the next step and ensuring that this is all connected. Uh, for lack of a better ridiculous analogy, it's really this 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 concept of a connected hive mind. Okay, it's kind of like the Borg in Star Trek, right? It's not about just sort of this individual car kind of existing in isolation, but rather it's about all the vehicles and all the things in the world around coexisting 
And by virtue of coexisting, uh, sharing all of their knowledge and their data of the world round with everybody in that world. So, so it's kind of like perpetual, real-time, always up-to-date information being shared with everything and everyone. So this is a profoundly, hugely important thing. And uh, it's, it, it's a real, it, certainly it's a daunting task. And it's pretty astounding that here are actually bringing this to reality. Now, there's another layer to all this, which is pretty awesome, uh, and it's this notion of basically partnering with other services and other companies. So one really kind of down-to-earth use case that was explained to me was this. Uh, so right now, you know that Starbucks, for example, has a, a mobile app. <clears throat> you can pre-order your cappuccino, quad, latte, mochi, macchiato, whatever yato, uh, to have it ready for you to pick up in, say, 10 minutes when you get to your nearest Starbucks. Um, and, and that works just fine, sure. But taking this to the next level, you can now have this integrated with the Here Navigational map, and you can actually order and indeed pay for your Starbucks right there from your car itself. So it's all done through the singular app, the singular UX and UI of the Here Navigation uh uh, app itself. Now, admittedly, I, I was sort of slow to recognize the value of all this. It just, you know, I didn't see the the need or the use case, but it suddenly became pretty clear the notion that, yeah, when you think about it, why should there be all these different apps for doing all these different things? You know, another use case, admittedly, a rather uh, soon to be out of date one, uh, putting fuel in your car, right? You You refill your car. Why do you have to why do you have to pay again? You should be able to just pay through the through a singular app interface. So these are all just kind of various use cases in which the Here platform can be utilized. So one of the really great opportunities for me with the Here team in Las Vegas was the chance to do a sort of meet and greet with various executives of the Here team. So for example, in the words of CEO Edzard Overbeck, Here Technologies is comprised of various layers. You've got the data layer, the platform layer, various services, and of course, industry partners. Um, and a really great use case that he presented to us was this. So with this extremely granular set of real-time data shared amongst various people, vehicles, infrastructure all around, again, in real time, this allows for such things as perfect timing and location targeting for consumers when it comes to things like real-time rides, uh, for, you know, for ride-sharing and pickups. You can now know, based on aggregated data, based on the door into which somebody walked, say, at a shopping center and other, other people walking into that same shopping center, the likelihood with which they're going to walk out of a particular door for their pickup. So it's really, really particular now insofar as timing both sp- uh, the precise time as well as the location. Uh, this is obviously very useful for package tracking and delivery. You can really look to see what the market needs and wants due to this transparency of data being aggregated from everything and everyone all around. Now, before you get to the obvious question and so far as, well, privacy issues, which I will adjust, uh, um, address in a moment, let me also now share with you some uh, some information shared by here's head of media, Hervé Uteza. Um, you know, he, he mentions the fact that and this really kind of blew my mind, the amount of time today spent driving, or at least in a vehicle, is roughly equivalent to the time spent on social media. So really then, this means that vehicles are really an excellent media platform. So this is pretty astounding when you think about it. Um, Finally, another really great tech tidbit for you, uh, shared by VP of Services Strategy and Innovation, Christoph Hellos. the Here Technologies team is currently doing something like 5 million updates to their maps every single day. So 
Again, when we think about real-time data, that's what it looks like. Currently at 5 million, who knows how high that's going to go. All right, so to wrap things up today, uh, we've talked quite a bit about the videos that you can watch that I helped to moderate at here, Technologies at CES. Uh, let me just uh, give you a brief rundown of what these videos are. So there's four new reality talks that I helped to moderate and two Facebook Live interviews. So the first new reality talk is titled Here Data Strategy and OLP Marketplace. This is with Sanjeev Gatte. He's the VP of Data Monetization and Marketplace. The second talk is Seeing Beyond the Road Ahead with Sanjay Sud, the VP of Highly Automated Driving, and his colleague Helmut Ritza. He's the VP of Connected Vehicle Services. The third talk is with Timo Litka. He's the Business Development Manager for OTA, that's over-the-air updates, and it's titled Closing the Loop with Here OTA Connect. The fourth and final new reality talk that I helped to moderate before I totally lost my voice and failed by Thursday, uh, was titled Precision Location Marketing in the Hyper-Targeted 5G Era. This is by the aforementioned Hervé Uteza, the Director and Head of Media, Advertising and Network Operators. And finally, uh, let's see, so the first of the two Facebook Live interviews I helped to conduct, uh, let's see, it's with Alex Euler, I'm said perhaps related to the famous mathematician Euler. He's from SBD Automotive. We talk about various trends at this year's CES and the second and final interview for Facebook Live is with Vernon Turner. He's the principal and chief strategist at Causeway Connections. We talk about all the exciting developments and challenges coming in 2019 with respect to autonomous vehicle and 5G tech and Internet of Things generally and really what that broad term really means. So, yeah, these are genuinely interesting videos. I think you'll find them quite interesting indeed. Uh, and they're quite short. They're just 10 minutes or so. So do check them out. They're posted, well, everywhere, obviously on Here Technologies Facebook page, as well as all of my various social accounts, for example, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all of which are at Autonomous Hogue. That's A-U-T-O-N-O-M-O-U-S-H-O-A-G. So do follow or like or whatever those various pages, check everything out. Uh, and once again, a huge, genuine, sincere thank you to the entire Here Technologies team. Uh, I really can't thank you enough for this incredible opportunity to join you and, of course, check out CES uh, for my first time. So thank you all very much indeed. All right, well, that is a wrap for this, by far and away the longest episode ever in this show. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next Tuesday as always. Have a wonderful weekend. Bye-bye. Hey, one last thing before signing off here today. I had the chance to meet and connect with many of you at CES. If we didn't yet connect, then if you'd like to, please do reach out to me. You know how. Um, look, the point is I'm especially interested in connecting with those of you with a background in, say, strategy and consulting, uh, technology, of course, and fellow attorneys amongst you, uh, especially those of you with an interest in policy. Uh, remember, I'm coming at this autonomous car space. The whole reason I started this podcast in the first place nearly a year ago next month um, is precisely because of my background. You know, I'm coming at this both as a 2X startup founder of the last eight years here in California, also a licensed California attorney for the last 10 years. And there's a tremendous need to bridge this gap as between technology and strategy on the one hand and, of course, policy on the other. So do reach out. Let's talk about all this. Remember, this this incredible time in our lives represents truly the greatest step change in humanity since the Industrial Revolution. We've got to make sure it gets done right. So I look forward to chatting with you. Thanks so much.